0: Here's a great bit of timing for you. I'm going to talk about how intriguing this lineup is on the day that it was nearly no hit. Good morning to you. Good Friday morning from Bradenton, Florida. I'm Dayan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Pirates. Comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or hockey. I also offer Daily Shots of Steelers and Penguins, where you found this. Yankees 9, Pirates 1 yesterday at Lecom Park. The Pirates didn't get their first hit until the ninth inning, by which point all of the starters had been long gone. The stuff matters, and it doesn't matter, but it mostly doesn't matter. And I'd say the same thing if the Pirates had the 9 and the Yankees had the 1. Uh, these games are are staged on so many fronts that you can't take any collective outcome Seriously, no, you don't want your guys getting no hit through eight games. You definitely don't want what looks like the top two-thirds of your lineup to go silent. But that part I found to be way more interesting than any results. Here was the order that was put together by Derek Shelton, and it's had some some cues, some lead-ins along the way, so it's starting to feel substantive. Cruz was at leadoff. Cruz is going to be at leadoff. O'Neal Cruz might not strike you as the prototypical leadoff hitter because he's going to have the most power on the team, and as a result, he's going to hit the most solo home runs. Add to that that the catcher Austin Hedges, he of the 163 average last season isn't going to be on base much at the bottom of the order. And Cruz is really going to come up with a lot of empty bases, but that's where he's comfortable. That's where he's most productive. He also can get on base. He also can take extra bases. So let's, you know, see how it goes. Second was Brian Reynolds. That's going to hold next was Andrew McCutcheon, which is. A nice show of confidence. It's a it's a show of respect, not just for what he's done in the past, but also for what he could do for this team. And I think that's a nice, healthy approach to take entering a season like this. Uh, at cleanup was Carlos Santana. It, And behind him was G-Man Choi, and I I think that's going to be something that you see stick consistently. They might flip in the order depending on a certain pitching matchup or whatever. I don't think you're going to see a hard and fast cleanup solution out of this team. Uh, Santana's got the superior power, obviously, but Choi can hit him out and Choi can get things done in a different context. Um, this also strikes me as being logical, but then it also strikes me as, well, what the heck else were you going to do? Because there aren't a whole lot of cleanup options in this lineup. And sixth, and really rounding this one out, because this is the way the actual lineup was formed yesterday at LECOM, was Kibrian Hayes. Now, this only underscores to me the extreme to which key is a variable entering 2023 nine home runs as i mentioned earlier this week isn't going to cut it his overall production isn't going to cut it but especially not the pop he has to start producing a whole lot more for what the reasonable and fair expectations are of him not because he signed a contract but just because this is what he's always done he's been able to hit Hasn't been a superior hitter, he's a superior defender, but he needs to be able to hit a lot more than he has over the past couple of seasons. Sixth is a nice spot for that. From there, and it didn't happen on this day, when you're talking about 7, 8, and 9, you're going to be rounding that out with... Seven and eight can can I guess uh, you know flip in the order here, but Jack Sawinski and Rodolfo Castro, and then Hedges bringing up the distant rear. Uh, here again, between Castro and Sawinski, you can go with the hotter hand. If they get really hotter, you can slide them up a little bit. But that that's your lineup. That's what it looks like, and that's why probably more than any other variable that exists with this team for this season, to start this season, that I'm kind of, you know, uh, I don't see a great big hike in offense from year over year. Sure, I'll take Kutch over who he's replacing. I'll take the first base platoon over anyone who played the position last year, including, respectfully, Michael Chavis. And I'll take this year's version of Cruz over the younger still-getting-his-feet-wet version from last year. But that, to me, is it offensively, and I'm a little bit concerned about that. I I wanted to see more of a a dynamism to this offense. I wanted to see more of a capitalizing on the banning of the shift. And if it sounds like I'm leaning toward I'd like to see more of Jiwon Bay out there. I'd like to find out more of what kind of an impact he can have. Uh, it, it doesn't sound like that's going to happen. It sounds like they're going to first wait to see what plays out with Castro at second base or Suwinski in the outfield. And that's fair. That's fair. Both are worth a shot, especially Suwinski I'm not sold on Castro and I'm not sold on this lineup, but hey, wouldn't be the first time I've been wrong, and everybody would have been happy about it. When we come back, J1Q. This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by our friends at North Shore Tavern that's directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. It's home of Steak on a Stone, an eating experience, underscoring the word experience. The steak is brought to you partially cooked on an 800 degree stone and you do the rest. It's a ton of fun, it's a great meal, and it's a baseball atmosphere like no other in Pittsburgh. North Shore Tavern, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. Today's J1Q comes from Phil, and it's a really, really good one. Phil says teams are Putting in entertainment districts attached to the ballparks to help their businesses. Atlanta's public disclosure showed $53 million in revenue last year from their battery Atlanta complex. St. Louis has apartments. San Diego is supposed to be building apartments essentially owned by the same owners right next to the stadium. The Pirates are operating with a huge disadvantage in revenue, but if they aren't working to do easy things like this, then I don't feel bad for them either either. I'm curious as to what the Pirates' options are to generate more revenue with the stadium they have. How much of a lack of involvement from the Pirates in the surrounding properties is a function of the agreements with the sports authority? And how much is the Pirates just not trying? Uh, It's a lot simpler than it sounds like you realize, Phil. They don't own anything. I mean anything, including PNC Park. They are a tenant. Now, they're a 30-year tenant, and they are a rock-solid tenant, but they are a tenant even in their own building. When you look at the actual footprint on the North Shore, PNC Park, from the Roberto Clemente statue to the Hannes Wagner statue to the Bill Mazeroski statue forming a diamond there, that's it. 100% of the property across from Mazeroski Way, General Robinson Street, Federal Street belongs to other entities. Not public, but private. So you can just forget about the pirates doing something to expand. If somebody else wanted to do it, as we've seen with some of the territory between, uh, I was about to call it Heinz Field, between Ackershire Stadium and PNC Park. Uh, there is an agreement. It's not the stadium authority that you cite. That's that's an outdated thing that managed Three River Stadium. But it's called the Sports and Exhibition Authority through which the Pirates can collectively benefit. They and the Steelers both benefit. There is some revenue that comes to the team from that. It's not voluminous. It's nowhere near the figure that you cited that the Braves are getting. Uh, nor what the Cardinals are getting from the old Bush Stadium grounds, which took forever to develop. But now that they have, as you mentioned, it's not just apartments. There's also offices, restaurants, a walking district. And in San Diego, next to Petco Park, they'd been saving that property for forever in hopes of finding a new place for the Chargers to go. The Chargers ended up going all the way up north to Los Angeles. So now they're finally looking at developing that giant lot there. Pirates don't have this. They don't have this. There are apartments that are going up directly uh, across General Robinson Street that are taking up the entire block. That was actually just announced formally in the past week. It's been known for a while. And there's another side, meaning the side that faces the football stadium, where there are smaller, more awkward parcels of land, some parking garages and stuff like that went up. But but. And this is the real thing I wanted to share out of all this. There's one little square that's going to be opposite the Wagner statue. And it was the Pirates' idea to just turn that into a little walking space, like a park that commemorates baseball history in Pittsburgh. We'll see how that ends up, but that's not exactly the most aggressive approach toward making money. I'm not sure I would fault them for it. I actually kind of like the idea of the little park. But we'll see how it goes. It's not, uh, it's not an easy solution to adding to the Pirates' revenue. Uh, I hear occasionally people say something like, well, I spent this and this and this on parking to come to this game, and this is the lousy product that I get. The pirates get $0. Hold up your thumb and your forefinger and connect them. That's the amount of money that the Pirates get in parking revenue. Every year, they own no parking spaces on the North Shore, none whatsoever. The Milwaukee Brewers own a sea of asphalt around their stadium and bring in roughly 15 to 20 million a year just in parking. The Pirates have zero. So, yeah, it's actually a little bit refreshing, to be honest with you, Phil, to hear someone talking real about the Pirates issues. No, they have not spent all that they could. I've been clear on that. I've felt for a long time now that they've been 10, 15, even 20 million below where they could be spending. But that doesn't mean that they're swimming in great gobs of cash revenue. Their books have been opened at different points in recent history, including three times under Nutting's tenure. And not once did anyone see anything that went, whoa, what is this? And it's not going to be the case now either, certainly not coming out of the pandemic. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Pirates. I'm happy to be here in Bradenton, happy to be covering the team for the next few days. We will get together again on Monday.